All right, we're pushing play at 124.25. This will be the beginning of the third quarter OU Notre Dame. If you're watching along with us at home, and we're going to push play in three, two, one. And we're immediately shown some old grainy video. Oh, this is back whenever Notre Dame knocked off OU and ended that winning streak, huh? This is what we call a cursed image, yes. At this, at this time, I was probably thinking, oh, God, why are they showing this? This is not good. At the time, pe people in 1957 at the time probably like, fire Bud Wilkinson. <laughs> fire someone. Someone must be fired. <laughs> that, like the one newspaper columnist, maybe? Yeah. He had a, a huge megaphone. Whatever the equivalent was of O'Connell's in 1947. Uh-oh. Oh, bye, George. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We start with a bang Bye, here in the, in, in the second half. Oh, so we skipped through. You said we skipped through, uh, I think, on the previous podcast, the Oklahoma's opening series of the third quarter. Is that yeah, they went, they went four and out. They picked up 11 on the first play and then went backwards from there. So just like that, Notre Dame's got life. So who's this guy again? George Atkinson, Atkinson? the third. There, there were two George Atkinsons prior to him, apparently. Oh. I don't know them, though. Bob with his uh, his trademark. I'm Are they going to show a replay of this thing or what? Jeez. Did Frank Shannon miss a tackle? I like to say I'm 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 half expecting uh, like Zach Martin to just be washing someone completely out. That was their first snap of the second half. Okay, well. So actually, for this game, uh, I remember on this day. Um, at this point in my life, so this was this game was on September 28th, 2013. I was working two jobs still at this point in my life, so I kind of had a weekend job where I would I would help cater weddings. And I remember I had to go um, during halftime to go help cater a wedding during this game. So I actually missed that 80-yard touchdown run. I, I listened to it on the radio. I heard Toby Rowland call it on the radio. Who was yep. getting married on a sat on a Saturday in the fall? This is Minnesota, oh, this man. Is Minnesota, it's different, and right. it's sick. It's sick. I hate it. <laughs> this is this is it is a problem. It is a big time problem for sure. This is long before row the boat. Apparently, I went to. I had a. I had a wedding yes, on yes. OU Texas uh, this year, Brady. Oh no! Just an absolute travesty. I mean, it was a great. It was a wonderful, beautiful service, obviously. But come on. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so where does OU go from here? I mean, Tommy Reese starting to settle in, you know, handing the ball off and touchdowns being scored. Getting that yeah, confidence. It, you, you, wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't know it from the first quarter of the game, but, yeah, this one this one turns into a bit of a butt clincher a little bit in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so there's a – Is that Trey Millard? It's Trey Franks. Trey Franks, okay. He was – Oh, I thought it was 33. Okay. He was Alex Ross before Alex Ross, where, like, track guy – if you get, give him like an open hole or he just has to run straight, touchdown. But if he has to make a cut, oh, no, I don't know what to do. Mm. Oh, gosh. The concept of Alex Ross making cuts was always pretty pretty entertaining to me. It looked painful. <laughs> Lee is sitting here. Who is Alex Ross? No, I remember Alex Ross, at least the name. I, did he have a kickoff return touchdown in a Baylor game was, or something uh, maybe? Uh, Texas. At West, West Virginia, Virginia and OU West Texas. Virginia, yeah. Yeah, and uh, unsurprisingly, those examples, he just literally ran through an open hole. Just ran straight. <laughs> he almost took one back in uh, in Bedlam in 2015 also. 
But he was mm. caught right at the last second. Was this targeting? Or is just Jalen Saunders just small? Well, it's also Blake Bell waiting too long to throw it and then getting Saunders crushed when it should have been a pretty easy 20-yard gain. I didn't see it. Did he get killed? Lee Benson, Blake Bell hater. Can throw it now. Uh, it's not. Oh, that was such a that was such a good route by Saunders too. That yep. sucks. That, uh, did he leave with the helmet? Come on now. Matt Diamond makes an appearance. Oh, Matt Diamond. Oh yeah, but while you guys were talking earlier too, I saw Kerry Cooks on the sideline, but figured I'd just oh, leave that one on Notre Dame sideline. Yeah. <laughs> just leave that one alone. I think he is I think Texas Tech and him parted ways after the season, so I'm not sure if he's got uh, if he caught on anywhere else yeah. yet. But I starting we'll to think see. maybe he wasn't the best assistant college football coach. Yeah, it's weird to think that the leash is much shorter in Lubbock than it is in Norman. That's that's odd. You'd, you'd think the you'd Matt, think the the yeah. opposite was actually the case. Can yeah, you Matt believe? Done. Can you believe that they were just a semi competent defense away from winning a national championship with that coaching staff? That defensive coaching staff. Trust me, I'm praying to God that none of my guests say, "Let's watch the Rose Bowl." <laughs> do you? I can't. Yeah, do you I want can't me to it. break my can't TV? Do it. <laughs> like the first half? Then, yeah, you, sure. Let's just do that. Were you there, Brady? No. Um, so my Rose Bowl story, because I kind of feel a little bit like it's my fault. I was. Uh, I went to Tulsa the night before because you know it was New Year's Eve go hang out with my girlfriend she was living in Tulsa my ex-girlfriend she was living in Tulsa at the time and uh, you know we had a good time and then the next day I we basically both had to recover all day because we had too much fun and I was planning on getting back to the house much earlier to watch the game but as it turned out I was leaving right before the game started so I basically drove down the Turner all the way to Oklahoma City get into Norman and listen to the first half so I'm like screaming on the highway, like, oh, we are going to destroy them. We're going to the national championship. This is going to be awesome. I parked into my parents' house's driveway right when the first half ended. And then I went in, Then I went inside, and like everybody's high-fiving. And I'm like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. And then I watched the second half on TV, and I realized in the third quarter what I had done, and I tried to go back to my car and listen to it on the radio, but it didn't matter. It just didn't matter. I'm sorry, OU fans. Here's a way to make it even more of a ridiculous story, and you tell it in the future. Just kind of take a little, a little bit of a liberty. Say, right when you walked inside, Cybert squib kicked. Okay, all right. Now I actually want to get your guys' take on this. I don't hate the call. Austin Cybert just screwed up. They just screwed up. Yeah, I think it's a, I, th I think it's a very convenient excuse for people, but I don't. It's. That's just, it was just a freak thing that very rarely ever happens, and it just happened in the worst possible yeah. time. Yeah, I, that's that's more of a, you know, people talk about the squib kick. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of more, I'm with you. I, I mean, it uh, it could have been done better, but, I mean, you kick that ball deep and Georgia takes it back to the house because it's not like Oklahoma's special teams or kickoff team was great or anything. I mean, no. it's been well documented that they Oklahoma didn't pay a whole lot of attention to special teams a whole lot, or they didn't really care that much about it for a decent amount of time. No, uh, the, the so yeah. safe, safe, fair catches. Remember those? Oh, those are fun. Gosh. I've complained about that a few times on my podcast already. Um, oh yeah, I think I think that's probably where I got where <laughs> why it was. In hey, my punt mind. safe again. Um, no, like 
The thing about the squib kick, like at the time, there was a select group of OU fans like on Twitter that were, they were just basically, the Stoops family can do no wrong. They like do not besmirch their name. So they would just over go over the line and be aggressive with, well, Lincoln Riley's offense screwed up the Rose Bowl. They're the reason why they lost. Or that squib kick, that was a terrible call. Do you realize that if you're going to call the squib kick a bad call, you think of it this way. If OU had just been in the I formation and said, we're going to hand the ball off through the A-gap to Rodney Anderson, and then Rodney Anderson gets the ball and fumbles, and it's like this is a first and ten like on the 30-yard line. If he just mm-hmm. gets the ball and fumbles, no one is complaining about the call. You know, because it's just... It's what you do. It's first and ten. You just run the you run the football. Like there's there was no trickery. There was no shenanigans. It was just a regular routine play. At the end of a half, the end of a game, it's pretty routine to see a squib kick. So, people that are out there that are still crapping on Lincoln Riley for calling a squib kick, I'm sorry, but lose me with that argument. Like Austin Cyber just didn't execute. It's that simple. I'm just more annoyed that Blankenship, the kicker, had no problems making field goals in that game, and then. He was kind of wishy-washy this past year. and I know he cost Georgia. I think he cost Georgia in that. Who'd they lose to? And they got beat by some bad team. Um, the fall- uh, God, I already forgot who South, they lost. South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure Blankenship missed a field goal that ended the game there. It's like it, he, he was so money as a sophomore in the Rose Bowl. Well, it's like, eh, maybe miss a kick every once in a while. Whenever. Jake Fromm looked like Joe Montana as a redshirt freshman against OU. It's and nuts, then man. he progressively got worse. But it's like... Oh, I don't have Mike Stoops on the schedule anymore. Darn it. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> he, he never, he really didn't ever get that much better. I mean, he kind of, he's just kind of, his entire college career is just very, like a, like a trying to say plateau, but I'm not sure if that's correct. But, yeah. It's, it's pretty Landry Jones-esque, I would say. But Georgia, because Georgia doesn't have a great history, especially recently, of quarterback play, they'll think highly of Jake Fromm. But it's pretty similar to Landry. Like, Landry peaked like as a sophomore because that was a really good team that 2010 team um and then just plateaued from there never really got any better uh jake Fromm's pretty similar i i would say yeah i would not be too excited about jake Fromm if uh my favorite nfl team drafted him and no matter where they would draft him i'd be like yeah not it does nothing for me i'm a bit of a jake Fromm defender I think you guys are a little too hard. Well, on the him. big hope for Jake Fromm is that hopefully, if he just gets better quarterback coaching and a better system, then you could potentially see like the full potential of Jake Fromm. Because that's what I could see. Kirby Smart's. I could see Jake Fromm. I could see him being a. Not, I'm not going to say really good, but I could see him having some success. Only because one thing that I, that I've seen in abundance from him is accuracy and ball placement. Um, and I think mm. that could be the most important part of the NFL outside of reading defenses and know what you're doing pre-snap. Um, I think he's streaky with that. But I also know that he never got very good tutelage at Georgia, and he was not playing in a very QB-friendly system either. So I don't think we've ever seen him. I think he's always been kind of playing in a pro-style system. And I don't know. I, I guess I, I, don't know we've, I don't know if we've ever seen him um, maximized with, with like in an offense that suits his abilities the best. Which I think is probably more of like a drop back passing, throw it forty times a game type offense. 
Here's how. But that's just here's me. how little I think about Georgia's quarterback development as a program under Kirby Smart. I feel like Jake Fromm would be in a much better quarterback development position if he was at Oklahoma State. Like by far a much better situation. He wouldn't be playing in a system that NFL scouts would like. Oh yeah, that that's the system we want to see our you know six foot four prototype quarterback play in. But I think I feel like the development would be better. He'd be in a more friendly environment in terms of we're going to open up the playbook. We're going to ask you to like show off your arm talent, which is what you don't do at Georgia. It's just line up the football. We've got four NFL running backs back there. Just hand them the football. And then we have to randomly ask you to, to throw a deep route. Uh, it just doesn't work. No, that's fair. I mean, Mike Gundy and, I mean, Yursich, obviously they did a great job developing guys. And, I mean, now you had a... The, the one-and-done OC from last year is already escaping me. He's now at Rutgers, but now we're going to see how much... Uh, yeah, if Jake Fromm was at Oklahoma State, he would put up monster numbers and would be yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's a system thing for sure. But I mean, who? I mean, who knows? It's that's that's actually that's one of the fun things about college football. It's so region specific and it's so it's so system specific that it's these you can have these debates forever and it's fun and I don't know. And unless Jake Fromm is is just a stud in the NFL, we'll be able to have this conversation kind of forever. It's fun. I like it. Whoever thought Dak Prescott would be like semi competent in the NFL? He had a great college career. I figured I'm not that surprised that Prescott. Well, I'm surprised that he has become as good as he has become, even though I think he's uh, he's an average quarterback that can sometimes be above average for the most part. But he carried Mississippi State his entire career there. Yeah, but it was it was it was in an untraditional type, you know, not really a drop back passing game. It was more the Tebow. It's actually kind of more of the OU offense this year. So the penalty hmm. on no, I think the thing. Boy, I, I never want to see that <laughs> offense again. <laughs> no. <laughs> now the thing about Prescott with like the NFL and his success, I mean, it's just another example of how much of a team sport football truly is. Because if Prescott goes anywhere else, especially like early on in his career as a rookie, he was playing behind the greatest offensive line in the in the league at the time. He had a lot of talent around him. He was in a very good position. He was talented in his own right. He had a good career, like you guys said, at Mississippi State. But if he goes to Cincinnati, if he goes to the Dolphins, or if he goes to a franchise that is basically looking at him to please carry us, like uh, he ain't going to carry anybody. Basically goes through the Sam Bradford model of just being in the worst situation possible and having terrible luck. Poor Sam. Just can never stay healthy, though, especially, I mean, he played. He played one healthy game in Minnesota, and so was this, was, this was two years ago. It was amazing. It was. It was the first game. It was. Yeah. It was the first game. Oh of the yeah, season. It was right. Monday Night yeah. Football against the Saints. It was the game. And he. It, AD got. It mad was at Sam, it. man. It, yeah. It was Sam. That it was him. It was him from 2008, and he got hurt in practice the next week, and he's like hasn't played since, outside of a couple snaps in Arizona, like whatever, however many years ago. That one, that one hurt, man. That one hurt. Hypel asked Blake Bell to run, and he picked up 12 yards on a second and 10. What do you know? I think, I think we're about to see Trevor Knight. Oh, Blake's a little shooken up. I wonder if this might have been a uh, what we saw against Ohio State. Probably not. That was all Lincoln Riley, Baker, Mayfield, where Baker just basically faked an ankle injury so that Kyler could go out there. Hamstring. Oh yeah, the, the hamstring. 
<laughs> I remember at the time I wasn't convinced that it was that that they were faking it. But then when I rewatched it, I saw I saw like Baker laughing on the sidelines, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, all right, yeah, you gotta." I suppose you gotta make it a little a little less obvious than that. I mean, Lincoln Riley, first year as a head coach, going into the the shoe, uh, he had some. I mean, he was so creative. He had some funny things up his sleeve, man. That was definitely on purpose. Hey, going back to the going back to the Rose Bowl, and obviously, I I hate to to dwell too much on this Why game. Why do you hate me, Grant? But <laughs> I, I'm sorry, man. But like, but for instance. Now that now that you saw the 2018 season with Kyler Murray, and I mean let's be let's be fr- I mean probably the best season for an OU quarterback ever, maybe the best season for a college football quarterback ever until Joe Burrow this year statistically. Are you kind of upset that Kyler Murray was just a bit piece in the Rose Bowl on the, in those few games when we knew that when like Lincoln Riley had to have known that this guy was an insane talent. Who was that good at throwing the football at the time? I mean, like, they, they had literally the back-to-back number one picks in the NFL draft on the field at the exact same time, and the, the only creative thing he could think of was running the speed option. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. A lot of it goes into preparation because, obviously, uh, Baker's getting all the ones that year in, in practice. Kyler Murray is not. And well, because then you go say, well, like Kyler Murray is probably statistically a tad bit better than Baker Mayfield. We all know that he's probably much more supremely talented than Baker Mayfield. So why doesn't he get more than just what he got on that stage with limited preparation in terms of like regular season experience? I don't know if I want to ask Kyler Murray to go drop back and like in some weird trick play package and like, all right, go dissect this like best defense in the country in Georgia. Like, I don't know about that. Oh yeah. It's not, um, no, but I would, it's logistically, it's not realistic whatsoever. I'm just more yeah. like from an emotional standpoint, knowing what you had in Kyler Murray. I, I, and I don't even know. I, I, I don't even have a suggestion for what they should have done, but Kyler, Mur- I don't know. It's apples to oranges, man. I saw Kevin someone try to use Kyler as a bit type player for a couple of games early on when Kyle Allen was a starting quarterback and, Kyler's freshman year. What a great in. quarterback room that and, was. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, they would they'd throw in, you know, they'd kind of alternate series. Sometimes they'd put Kyler in for fun. And, like, I mean, he, he threw a couple picks. He didn't look very good. And this is, this, is, you know, this is obviously before Kyler's Heisman year, obviously. And so he still didn't have a whole lot of experience. So who knows if he still would have been prone to making bizarre, weird mistakes, especially on a massive stage like that, even with a year and almost two years at Oklahoma under his belt. So, I mean, like, what do you do with them? You can't take Baker Mayfield off the field. No, and I know. And I never I never would say take Baker off the field. I'm more of just saying from a from an emotional standpoint. Unless he is faking a hamstring injury. <laughs> yeah, just like hindsight is, is 20-20. Now that we know that Kyler Murray is one of the best ever to play the position in the history of the sport. I, I and I'm and I'm not saying that they should have taken off, you know, the best player in the sport that year, who was Baker Mayfield. I'm just saying, uh, it's just it sucks knowing what they had on that offense. I think the w- and they couldn't get it. I done, think is what I, it is. What I it think is. Baker Mayfield's moxie, the, the the leadership, like how he just conducted himself as a player and as the leader of that team. I think that team seriously needed it. Because that defense, while we all know was bad and statistically bad, I mean, that defense's ceiling was higher than the defense that Kyler Murray had. And maybe some of that is because, like, that defense had Oboe, and Oboe was a, a, a great player. And 
I always feel bad for Oboe because he's never going to be remembered, but he was a great player with a great motor and a great attitude, and we're never going to remember him because he played on a crap defense. But Baker Mayfield, how he conducted himself, it bled onto the rest of the team, and they needed it. And even with a crap defense, they were uh, they were just a play away from playing against Alabama and possibly beating Alabama in the national title a week later. So um, Kyler Murray got his chance. And I'm not trying to sit here and say that Kyler Murray's not a good leader. I, he's a great leader. Uh, but different personalities, different styles. And when Kyler had his chance, unfortunately his defense just didn't do him a lot of favors. Oh, this is all this is all for argument's sake. If I I mean you put a gun to my head and I gotta pick one of those guys to win one game, I'm taking Baker Mayfield one hundred percent of the time. One hundred percent of the time. But that's that's probably just me. Oh um I love Baker, but like yeah. even though this might contradict what I just said, like I love Baker, but Kyler is just Kyler is just fantastic. Kyler is a bad, bad man. His, his this is actually one of the topics I wanted to have. I wanted to do a Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray topic. And Kyler Murray's talent is, it. is overwhelming. His his persona is awesome. Like Kyler Murray is my kind of quarterback. He is quiet. He is calm. He's collected. Um, but I, I just yeah, I don't know if anybody has ever like kind of like captured my feelings like Baker Mayfield has. I don't know. It's a it's a bromance thing, right? Oh yeah, it's very. It's very visceral with Baker Mayfield, and if you're like a diehard fan, like you obviously vibe with that. Like when he grabbed his crotch against Kansas, I'm like, yeah, if they want to, if they want to make this a game and not basically understand that they're Kansas and they have no chance, then fine. You're know, like, suck it, basically. Uh, but with Kyler, it's just to this day, like Sam Bradford's the most accurate quarterback that I've ever seen in terms of not like numbers to like numbers accuracy. I mean. Every time he would throw a football, no matter what the route was, it always went into the guy's hands, into his chest. Like it was just unfathomable how accurate he was. Kyler Murray edges him a little bit because you add to the fact that Kyler Murray is a dynamic quarterback in terms of his athletic ability. That dude could just snap his wrist and it's going 60 yards on a dime into the guy's hands in stride. And I'm just like, I've never seen anything like that. I'm I'm pretty it it sucks that we only got to see him play in like 14 games. It that really sucks. Do you think um do you think the 2017 team would have had the same level of success with Kyler Murray? I don't know if like you're talking 2018 Kyler Murray was the quarterback. I don't know if Kyler goes into Oh yeah, yeah, if you if if you transport 2018 Kyler Murray into 2017 OU, then yeah, the team is just as good. I don't know if Kyler Murray making his second start at OU goes into the shoe and beats Ohio State because OU yeah. beats Ohio State because Baker's there and Baker's like the entire week. We're not going to let them do this again. I don't know if Kyler does that because Kyler didn't really feel the visceral emotion of being embarrassed on his own field the year before because he wasn't playing. That's my favorite OU game of all time. OU Ohio State. I, of all time. Yeah, I love that game so much. It's just, there's there's just nothing better than going into someone else's house and winning, especially like that. I mean, it's just, oh. It's probably the, yeah, that's, <laughs> that was everything. That's everything that I want as, as an OU football fan. Outside of a national championship, that game is why I watch college football. It was just a an absolutely, like, just a heavenly experience for me and, I'm assuming everyone else, my millions of other best friends. It's probably the second most 
good surprise I've ever been with an OU game. The first one being the Sugar Bowl against Alabama. I was just flat out like, I can't believe what's going on. And, yeah, the Ohio State game, just because they destroyed OU the year before, Ohio State was at a different level in terms of talent across the board. Um, and then OU's kind of track record at that point against good teams. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know if they're going to do it. And they did, and I, you know, the further along that game got, and I'm just like, wow, OU's not getting destroyed. That's good. Oh, oh, they can answer. They can score. Like, oh, are they going to win this game? And it just, like, in the fourth quarter, it was like, wow, they're going to win. I can't believe this. I, I just there everything about that game I just I just can't get enough of that I you 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 all would agree that was that was Baker's best performance right just as it was like just utter perfection it felt like I didn't the see everything time. from I didn't see everything from 2015 and 2016 but I mean from what I saw Baker Mayfield yeah by far that was his best given the game. circumstances Ohio yes, State he was. He was money. And even though Auburn was kind of outmatched in that they were an 8-4 and team, they had a lot of talent on that defense, and Baker Mayfield toyed with them in the second half. He was so good in that game. He he toyed with them like Johnny Manziel toyed with OU's defense in the Cotton Bowl. Like, it was just like, this guy is playing at a different level than everybody else out there, and he's just playing with them. That was the first time that I thought Baker was like, oh, he might... Next time he may have a bit of an NFL future. There was a throw that he made to Didi over his shoulder, like, on the run on fourth down, like, late in the first half of that game. That is just, that is so insanely good that I, I that was the throw where I remember thinking, holy crap. Like, I don't even know if there's ten people in the world who could make that throw. Um, God, that guy's so yeah, that was good. Great. That was like a I deep wish he was, out on, like, yeah, fourth I, down. That he just I wish he was quarterback for life. I wish he was quarterback for life. There's actually there's a similar throw, because um, we were talking about Sammy B earlier. There's a similar throw from the uh, the national championship game from 2008 on the very first series um, that he completes to Joaquin Iglesias. That is that is in a tighter window, but it's it's kind of the same throw. It's like 20 or 25 yards downfield on a corner route like is that. Is it Texas and Bradford? Just 2007. No, it was uh, it was the national oh, okay. championship game against Florida. But it, it's I think it's the third or fourth play of the game. It's like on third down. And Bradford just he, he puts it between two NFL defensive backs, just like in a little two inch window, and it's beautiful. Like I, I, I've I've brought up that and watched it more times than I would care to admit. So yeah, if you're ever bored, go try to try to, and if you ever you know, of course don't watch the entire game. Just watch that and, and keep going. But <laughs> all right, so where are we in this game now? We got we late third quarter. We, oh, you just kicked another field goal. We. Uh, Who's their kicker back then, by the way? Honeycut? Yep. Who I think is still in jail for uh, methamphetamine. What? Yeah, he went to jail in Cleveland what? County. Hey, look at the name we got Bob there, Diaco. guys. Bob Diaco. Kerry Cooks. <laughs> and Jerry Montgomery. This is a who's who of... Jay Norvell, and he at uh, Nevada now? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's the head coach at Nevada, I believe. Boy. Oh, geez, Jerry Montgomery. You remember him, Brady? Yeah, I remember how everybody was like, he should be the next defensive coordinator, and now he's still like a lineman consultant with the Packers still, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's, or I was going to say, yeah, he's like a journeyman uh, assistant coach in the NFL. And all of, like, I think all of his, uh, all the guys that he recruited kind of end up being busts as well. Yeah. Um, what might have been, I guess. <laughs> 
I mean, Mike could have had the 85 Bears and Ditka as his co-defensive coordinator, and Mike still would have screwed everything up. <laughs> well, I don't know. If it was like if it, if it was in the early 2000s and everybody was just getting in the Man, I formation Bob, all over the place, I kind of feel like he would probably be okay with that. Wow, look at all these missed tackles. This defense is getting tired. No, um... You know, I, I know OU fans have a lot of great memories of those early 2000s teams with Mike Stoops, but if you really go back and watch every single game, because trust me, I have. I don't have that much time during basketball offseason, so I busy myself with unimportant things like going back and watching games. Um, if you really go back and watch a lot of those games, you could see the seeds that were being planted with Mike Stoops and how he coached, like how he, like how he and Bob philosophically see the game of football you could see it um on offense is something as simple as okay my athletic quarterback in jason white tears his acl two years in a row i'm never going to have my quarterbacks run anymore so you get paul thompson you get rep bomar he never really puts them into a situation where they can, he can sh they can show off their athleticism you flip it over to the defensive side of the football Reggie McNeil torches OU because he's got a big arm and he's athletic. So then Mike, slowly but surely in 03, starts backing off of athletic quarterbacks, and then we see it rear its ugly head in his second stint. And, again, it really didn't matter what talent Mike Stoops had or who he had around him. He was always going to rush three and play 10 yards off the ball on third and four. It just did not matter. I'm sorry, that's my Mike Stoops diatribe. I was going to leave it at one on this podcast. Lee? Uh, Grant would have the better. You'd have a better. I mean, early early Mike Stoops, you know, when he returned to Oklahoma, I, I just, again, I don't, I don't have a lot of context from it. So all no, I can I mean, really he's, say is. Yeah, he's always, that type of defense has always struggled against the wide open attacks. And that is one of the reasons why Reggie McNeil was, was able to have so much success in 2002. They were spreading everybody out, and they were winning one-on-one -on -one matchups in space. Um, and yeah, and honestly, that's why that's why Brent Venables was is no longer at Oklahoma as well. Although Venables was probably ahead of the curb, um, and he was he was unfairly run out of town. In retrospect, um, he had to kind of face a murderer's row of of offenses that season. Um, no, it's just Mike Stoops is just not very comfortable um, operating in, in modern offensive football. I think that's that's pretty clear. He's just not – it's just completely outside of his comfort zone. Big Ten guys, man. Mike, he's just he's – a, He's a Big Ten yeah. guy. He is. Yeah. And early, early 2000s, Big 12 football was largely Big Ten football. I mean, guys were – OU really was the only team that was getting in the shotgun and throwing it around. Yeah, it was a, a running backs league. You had, like, great running backs all over the place. And, which still makes the post-game quote after the Army game in 2017 or 2018 that much more... 2018. That, now that's a game that I can't talk well, about. Well, it, <sighs> it makes his post-game quote that much more shocking because you think, okay, with that philosophy, he should be able to shut down uh, a running attack. Like, yeah, it's gimmicky in that it's a triple option attack, but you should figure it out if that's your bread and butter. And OU clearly doesn't. And then he walks up to the post-game podium and says, well, uh, actually, we, were pre we prepared for the pass. What? <laughs> what? You, you imbecile? Well, I recall him, him kind of hinting. I don't know if he said it outright, but that really they didn't. They were kind of almost looking ahead. 
and they weren't even really focusing. They didn't put a whole lot of time into Army. I, maybe that would have been the next week or something. Or I, I, I maybe I'm just imagining that because that's what I thought in my own head. But I could have yeah, swore I remember him in the in the post game kind of hinting at at that. But that real that game really was the you know the straw that broke the camel's back for me in in terms of Mike Stoops because. To me personally, that was that was the evidence that I needed that clearly there is something wrong with the week-to-week preparation um, because it was clear to me watching that game that they did not prepare for Army. It was very clear that they did not. Because we, uh, Lee, you and I watched watched tape of their game against uh, who was it against against uh, Duke from like two weeks earlier. Yeah. And yeah. Duke did the same thing every single play on offense. They just squeezed them on the edge. They sent two guys every time and just loaded the box. And Army really didn't have any success at all. They got squeezed. They were suffocated. OU did nothing. They did nothing in that game. They played base defense the entire time and looked like they were defending the option for the first time. That was so frustrating. I, I, like I've, that entire time, I, I, I remember during watching that game, I was, I was questioning whether or not... Uh, I should make football so important in my life. Because <laughs> well, it's just, just like, it was so frustrating. We've all been there. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting flashbacks, too, because I'm looking it up, trying to see if I can fa- find some quotes. And I have, but uh, I'm seeing some pictures from Google, and it just reminds me of being in the post-game press conference room as Notre Dame scores a touchdown. Uh, Stoops walked in, post-game presser, with uh, his visor on upside down and backwards. Yeah, after his team played that way. He's going to get his man. I mean, he obviously didn't know he was going to get fired, but he had reason to be happy. It's like, OU is obviously fine with his coaching because he's been here for a few years at that point, and uh, he's just going to get a raise. So it's like, yeah, cool, we won. That's important, right? Uh, and I'll actually kind of tie this back into this 2013 defense because we've already talked about in the previous episode uh, that we kind of all universally appreciated this defense and they were talented. This was... A good example of why Mike Stoops pissed me off so much as a defensive coordinator. Because this is the one year in his second stint at OU where he understood, I've got a lot of talent on this defense, so I'm going to be aggressive with it. Now, if you just generally talk about defenses without getting too specific, aggressive defenses with talent, you know, they're they're good. They, they rack up sacks. They rack up tackles for loss. Um, but they could potentially give up the big play because they are so aggressive. Okay, that's bad. But if you're a team like Oklahoma and you've got record-breaking offenses every single year, you should have the mentality of, I'm going to be aggressive. If you just beat me off of one play, so be it. Go stop our offense. Good luck. And you watch it in this game. Notre Dame's touchdowns have come off of big plays. It's because Mike Stoops is allowing the defense to be aggressive. And it's again, it's just like one of those it's one of those points where you're just like I would rather it be that than what we saw with Mike Stoops after this year until he was fired, of just I can't be aggressive. I have no trust in my system or in the players on the roster, which is your fault because you're supposed to recruit them. So I'd rather get paper cutted to death. And you saw it against Army, because you're guy you guys are exactly right. He just wanted to just, I'm just going to do normal base stuff and hope that our talent wins out at some point. That's what happened against Texas, too. I mean, it was just, they were just getting five, six yards a pop every single time. Yeah, I, I, I just. That's what that 2018 Oklahoma defense will forever be known for. I mean, yeah. you, could, you could not get a stop at the line of scrimmage or behind it. You were guaranteed 
three to four yards per snap if you're the opposing offense. I mean, it was the easiest team to pick up and be in second down and, and manageable every single every single snap. Yeah, Brady, you, was, you talking man. about how talking about how it's just you might as well just be aggressive because who cares? I mean, your defense is terrible anyway. You might as well be aggressive because you got the best offense maybe ever behind you, backing you up. That was essentially my thesis statement for the entire 2018 season. And I think, it, I, I think, like, you know, the notion of saying the defense is so terrible, so you might as well just throw it all against the wall anyway and just go balls to the wall. It's kind of silly, yeah. But, man, that's how bad that defense was. Yeah. I mean, like, th that was the worst defense in the history of the program. I, I mean, I don't even think that's, that's hyperbole to and say. It's, so It's really simple to just sit there and say, well, it's like, yeah, OU's defense 2018, they, they, they didn't have Alabama LSU talent. Well, of course. But these guys are still at OU. These guys are still supremely talented football players. And if you put them in a situation where you allow them to make plays because they are supremely talented athletes, you're going to come away with a lot more positive plays than just already accepting the fact that you suck, which is basically what Mike Stoops does when he's just like, we're just going to run base defense. We're not going to do anything different. Um, I'm not going to let any of my guys make plays because I'm scared. Well, then that's going to trickle down to the rest of the team, too, and they're going to be timid. They're, not, they're going to be unsure of themselves. They're going to be – this is a podcast, but they're going to meerkat and put their arms up in the air and look at the sideline and go, what am I supposed to do because I'm so used to just listening to you? So, yeah, it's just it's one of those things where, like, I just want the opposite, which is why I'm excited about Alex Grinch because he seems to understand that. Yeah, we're, we're not where we want to be talent-wise, but this is what I have. This is the card that I've been dealt. I might as well make the most of it. And if I get burned on a big play, we'll go stop Lincoln Riley. Good luck. <sighs> the biggest thing that, that annoys me and just gives me the, the thing that I don't understand the most of all of why the defense has been so bad is the secondary play has been just atrocious. And in the Big 12, I realized that it's not that easy Hold to play. Hold on a second, early. We, I, I got a feeling we got a big, we got some big coming up here. Oh, you got a feeling, huh? Uh, well, I mean, this is a big part of the game, man. Third yeah. down, only up by Third six. Sterling Shepard's best play as oh, a wow. I think oh so. That's what we call here on West of Everest your pros being pros, right there. Love me some Sterling Shepard. It's a good thing Blake Bell threw that ball when he did because there was a a blitzer off the edge that. Uh, Almost got there. I think I almost cried happy tears during this moment. I man, I was this one. Uh, yeah, I I, I really got, it got going real after emotional. This one. <laughs> Let's see what we got here. So they're just playing cover two. Goodness. So they blitzed off the edge and they yeah. I didn't know Shepard was on the team in 2013. Sophomore. He's a sophomore. Oh. I just know about him in the, the 2015, that Tennessee game. And we are about to, uh, we're about to, to jump ahead here after this possession. Sterling well, Shepard, it gets really ugly. Sterling Shepard has a ton of big plays throughout his career. I mean, obviously he played there for four years, so he's going to have a lot of opportunities. But he made so many big plays throughout his career. Like every single year he played, there was like a moment you can think of. 2012, he jumps over a Kansas State guy on the sideline. 2013, this play. Uh, 2014 even. Uh, 
He caught, a t he caught the game-winning touchdown against Texas in the most boringest OU Texas game ever, 2015. Against Kansas State, I know they lost that year, but that was maybe his best game as a Sooner. He had like 15 yeah. catches, I remember. Uh, and then 2015, like you said, the uh, Tennessee game. All right, guys, we can, good throw. Yeah, we, can, we can jump ahead here, but oh, you want to finish on something first? I was going to say, that was a really nice throw on the two-point conversion by Blake Bell. It's it's the throw Taylor. Yeah, it's the play out. Uh, Taylor Cornelius couldn't make against OU in 2018. Uh, exactly. Oh boy. Um, all right. So where are we fast forward into now? All right. So we are going to go to uh, on the YouTube video 2:21:39. We're going to jump ahead over 17 minutes here. All right. Let me get there. All right. I am uh, paused and ready to roll whenever I'm you guys ready. are. I'm also paused and ready when you are. All right, let's push play and finish up this game in three, two, one. So trailing by 14, the Irish begin this drive at their own. All right, so here's what has happened since OU uh, went up 35 to 21. There have been uh, four really, really ugly drives. Um, three of the four have gone three and out. The only one that did not was an OU drive that went five plays for 24 yards. And we now rejoin with five minutes and 52 seconds left. I think Notre Dame has the ball at OU's 24. Looks like a nice play by Colvin, even though the camera guy uh, had a tough time with that one. So one of the things I kind of wanted to to, uh, to touch on for this was I thought it would be fun to kind of go back to see what was going on in college football on this day. And uh, so I went back, and the two, the two biggest games that I found, Brady, this one will probably mean a little bit more to you, Lee, probably not so much. But on this day, West Virginia beat Oklahoma State 30-21 to in Morgantown. They beat number 11 Oklahoma State. And that's only significant because, Brady, that would be the last time that Oklahoma State would lose until Bedlam that season. I don't even remember that game. I don't even remember that being like on the register. It's probably just because I was so, oh, my God, Oklahoma beat Notre Dame. <laughs> um but yeah, because like I actually was trying to think the other day, like who else did OSU lose to in 2013 to set up that Bedlam game where all they had to do was beat OU, they they win the Big 12 championship, uh, probably, and then uh, or yeah, they would have because there was no championship game in 2013, and then go to uh, BCS Bowl at the time. So yeah, Morgantown, Morgantown can get you sometimes. I guess very rarely can it get you, but it can. That West Virginia team went four and eight. I think that was Dana Holgerson's first uh, first team. I think actually there, but uh, don't quote me on that. But also, so uh, College Game Day was in Athens, Georgia, that week for number nine Georgia and number six LSU. Georgia won forty-four to forty-one. Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. combined for sixteen catches for two hundred and seventy-four yards. But oh, LSU wow. could not overcome Aaron Murray's four touchdown passes. A freshman, Todd Gurley, had eight touches for 73 yards. And now Todd Gurley is apparently washed. <laughs> I'd say he's dead now, basically. <laughs> he, and, uh, even da he and David Johnson are just kind of... The life yeah. of an NFL running back, man. Like, I went quick. Well, yeah, meanwhile, Adrian Peterson is still an impactful player on, in the NFL. Somewhat. Well, I mean, we're we're talking about human beings, no, that's, not that, aliens. That's true. <laughs> and now he's doing air comfort solution commercials. Lee, the uh, the, the end is near in terms of his career. I think he sees it. He's a savvy businessman, that Adrian Peterson. Mm -hmm. Did somebody re-sign him? 
Did the yeah. Redskins bring him back? It's, it's Washington, right? Yeah. That's incredible, man. I was watching some of the highlights from him the, from that 2009 season. And I don't I mean, I don't know if there's if there's ever been anyone better just like with the ball in their hands than than he is. I mean, his he definitely has in terms of like the modern NFL, he definitely has some blind spots of his game. He doesn't block very well. He doesn't pick up, you know, he he doesn't catch the ball very well. He doesn't pick up other things incredibly well. But man, when he in his prime, when he had the ball in his hands, that guy was scary as hell. Holy crap. And I'll, I'll even make my own little prompt here with you guys and ask you this question. Because, like, every time – and it's this question is rarely asked because it's very specific. But I'm weird and I have a lot of time to think. So, like, favorite individual player performance <laughs> in, like, what, what amounts to a loss. Because basically it's, like, your favorite – Un, like unheard of performance that people don't like go back to like not the uh, Adrian Peterson freshman year against Texas where he rushed for 225 everyone remembers that because he did that and then oh you won the game um, so it usually is just like best individual performance in what amounts to being a loss and, this is a really and mine question. is always the fourth quarter in the Oregon game where OU gets screwed in Eugene. The fourth quarter that Adrian Peterson had, he had 145 yards rushing that day. I was in the stadium, so a little bit of bias there. And Oregon wanted nothing to do with him. Not only did he have 145 yards rushing in that fourth quarter, he had the what should have been the game-clinching touchdown. And then also, after Oregon took the lead, after they unfairly got the ball back on that onside kick, they kicked off like Oregon kicks off. Bob puts Adrian Peterson on special teams to re- return the kick, and he returns it like 65 yards to put OU in field goal position ultimately. And then Garrett Hartley gets the block kicked. But that was just—I've never seen one guy just destroy a team like Adrian Peterson did that day. So that's always my answer to that question. If that makes sense to you, oh, that's a really good one. I'm gonna have to rack my brain a little bit. And so while Man, I, think I was about, uh, I was playing I college baseball that day and couldn't watch the game and remember hearing about it on the radio on the way back on a bus from like Colby, Kansas or something. So I never even got to see it. It was uh, I wish nothing but ill will on the Oregon football program. Oh God, man! I hate Oregon too. Did, I I don't know if you listened to any of our stuff uh, in November this year, but I I definitely have a like a bias problem against Oregon. Where I have blinders on, and I, it definitely shades kind of how I, I cover them. And I just, it, I can't stand them. I hate their program. I know it's hacky and it's stupid to say, but, and it, it has to just, it has to completely come back to that 2006 game. I, I don't know how else to explain it. That was the worst I've ever been treated. And I've been to Lubbock a few times for OU games, and maybe I kind of expect to be treated like crap when I go to Lubbock, but. And maybe I didn't expect to be treated like crap when I went to Eugene, but I have never been treated worse in my life anywhere than that day. And to be honest, you know, in the stadium, my dad and I were sitting like right in front of where the onside kick kind of happened, like a, like a handful of rows up. We didn't know that they cheated basically on that play. The only time that we thought that the fix was in was on the pass interference play on that drive. Uh, Dennis Dixon throws a tight spiral and then it all of a sudden turns into a duck. And then Rufus Alexander like pulls the receiver down because you can do that if the ball gets touched and they call a pass interference. They review it and they still let it go. 
and then they eventually score. It wasn't until after the game that we got back to the tailgate and we were watching the pregame show for USC in Nebraska in Los Angeles that like John Saunders on the ABC pregame show was like, well, if you're an OU fan, don't watch because you got screwed. And then that's when we all realized, like, what? <laughs> yeah. Cause, oh, wow. Because they even played like, that. The, like the actual game audio of like Dan Fouts, you know, former Oregon. Right, right. On the. That's a bad call. That's a bad call. What is going on? How are they not going to review this? Or how are they reviewing this and not seeing what we all see? Like, the ball doesn't go 10 yards before someone gets touched. Oregon doesn't recover the football. (laughs) What is going on? Up is down, down is up. Yeah. So, Lee, you, you actually never, you weren't watching that game live. No, no, I was playing. I was at Dodge City playing fall baseball, man. I kind of, I kind of feel like that game is like, is like a seminal moment for uh, for OU football fans, just because I, I don't. I was so angry because it was because when you were actually watching it on TV, Brady, in real time, you knew that they got screwed, and so it was just. I couldn't even believe it at the time, and I was 16, so I was just like. Of course, I thought I, I thought I was way more important than I really was, and I thought the world was ending. I thought it was the worst thing that ever happened. Not, not quite a and pandemic, just, but pretty damn near close. Not quite. <laughs> so, all right, before because we're kind of getting close to the end of the game, the one the there's one question I was pretty excited to ask you, Brady. But so, and while I'm thinking about uh, the, the hypothetical that you asked, so if you had one do-over game since 2000. That you could like go back in time, you could pick a single game that was a loss and turn it into a win. What game would you choose from 2000 to 2019? Do I have any influence over this game? Like, can I like manipulate one thing here and there, or is it just basically replay the game? You can manipulate whatever. This is like this is a, this is full on your imagination. Okay. So here's what I would say: the 2008 national championship game against Florida, but Bob stupidly doesn't put DeMarco Murray on special teams a year after his knee was shredded on special teams. So DeMarco doesn't get hurt. OU wins the game. They were they were a little bit better than Florida. We all saw it. All they needed was DeMarco. Florida got there, DeMarco Murray and Percy Harvin. And we left 14 points on the, on the field, and we lost by 10. So give me that national title. Add Brady to the long list of people who are DeMarco Murray truthers for the 2008 mm-hmm. National Championship Dynamic. game. I am yeah. also included Dynamic in back, that list. man. He was the, him and Sam, like, obviously that offense had a lot of talent, but that offense was able to do what it was able to do in terms of the no-huddleness because of Sam and DeMarco. You, t- you take out DeMarco, you pretty much take out the no-huddle. And Jermaine Gresham. Who had a monster game that, that day. They oh, couldn't yeah. cover him. They couldn't cover him. One of the one of the biggest what ifs that I always think about too, Brady is, um, and I know this is silly, and I, I I know he he would he would have never have come back, but I always try to think what would what would that 2008 team look like with Curtis Lofton? Oh, I've actually yeah, I've asked Curtis um, that before because he he used to work with us at the franchise, and I, I I was straight up with him. I was like, man, I wish you stayed. Like you obviously made the right decision for yourself, but gosh, you Ryan Reynolds, Travis Lewis, oh that defense would have been great. I, I always Curtis Lofton and Reggie Smith both both left early, um, and I I always just kind of had a what if, um, and I also I was I was bummed that Malcolm Kelly left early as well. I thought that offense would have been way more productive 
which is kind of a crazy thing to say based off what they were with more of like a downfield kind of physical threat like that. But I don't know how realistic that was of Malcolm Kelly coming back. But I don't know. That's always stuff that I can just never get out of my brain. When you started saying that you wish Bob Stoops wouldn't do this with DeMarco Murray, I thought you were going to say, I wish Bob Stoops wouldn't have sent Jimmy Stevens out to kick that Yeah, that field goal that none of, that all of us knew. Yeah, this this ain't going to work. It's like, what are you, this is obviously not going to work, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, and then they just inexplicably decided, hey, the no huddles work all year. Let's let's huddle this game. That's a great idea. They'll never see it coming. Yeah, and it was especially in the red zone. It's like Kevin Wilson, it just everything went out the window in the red zone. Like between the 20s, I mean, the offense was great. I mean, they moved the ball for the most part They reverted easily. back to what they were once, they, once the pressure got turned on. And what they were was they were a team led by a bunch of Big Ten philosophical coaches, Kevin Wilson, Bob Stoops. They did what they knew at the time. That's my take. You know, I'm crazy, so don't worry about it. <laughs> well, Blake Bell is taking knees, and Oklahoma will have won this game by two touchdowns. This was a really huh. fun game to watch in person, live, as it was going on. Like, I, I don't know. I, this is – I think, Brady, you're with me on this one. You're never going to forget this game. Like, I mean, I'm – unless they I, – I suppose unless they play Notre Dame, like, what, like 50 more times over the course of our lifetime, and there's a ton of memorable ones, but I don't think that's going to happen. So this one's always going to kind of have a special special part in my heart, even though we didn't uh, didn't find as much to talk about in the actual game as I figured we would, but that's okay. No, like – this this is kind of half sarcastic, this, but also kind of true. But anytime on Twitter, like Blake Bell gets brought up, I will always quote tweet it and with the same reply of Blake Bell won in South Bend. His legacy as a Sooner is secure. I don't care anything else that like his flaws. I don't care about anything else. He beat Notre Dame in South Bend. Only two OU quarterbacks have ever done that. Only two OU teams have ever beat Notre Dame ever. Um, so yeah, I love me some Blake Bell. And this game, I'll never, like, it's one of my top ten, top ten easily like, OU football games. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty upfront about my, I, I love this 2013 team. I, I just really loved them. And um, I don't really know why. I think it was just because they're so different. And they did, it, it was, it's kind of the only OU team in my life that, sort of went back and forth between quarterbacks and not injury related. I know Hibble and White did that. Um, but I don't know. I just really liked this team and the the defense was new. It was a 3-4 defense and there was actually a lot of new faces. Like for instance, Eric Stryker and Jordan Phillips were completely new. They were new faces. They'd never played before, before this season. Um, and I just really liked them. And there were these really memorable wins at Notre Dame. And then, of course, you mentioned Blake Bell's status in your mind is set because of this win. I always think of, of Bedlam later in the season with Blake Bell. And um, to me, this season is almost unimpeachable. This season is awesome. I loved this season. The, the Texas loss, notwithstanding, of course, it sucked. And them getting blown out by Baylor on a Thursday night was no fun. But there were so many great memories from this season. And they played really good defense. This is... I would say outside of the 2017 team, uh, this 2013 team was was probably my favorite team of the decade. That's a fair take. That is a, think, that, is, that is a fair take. Um, I would probably say I like the Baker Mayfield team, the Rose Bowl team, better than this one just because expectations accordingly. Like, expectations really set everything. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, this it's one of the weirder... 
successful OU teams in the last 20, 25 years just because of all the reasons you said. Like, different quarterback this week, different quarterback the next week. Expectations were a little bit lower. And then the most surprising OU win possibly ever with the uh, Alabama Sugar Bowl. Yeah, I mean, definitely – Definitely in my the history of me following the team for sure. I mean, it's that or '96 OU Texas when OU was winless. Or I mean, I can't even think of something like during the Switzer years where like it was truly shocking that they won that game. So yeah, there was actually, um, but yeah. So there's this game which is so memorable, and then Bedlam. But there was another sneaky, uh, entertaining, really good game this season. And it was I think it was a few weeks after this one. But it was when Texas Tech came into Norman. They played like a really fun back and forth game. I think it was Kingsbury's first year there. So Lee, if you're ever if you're ever bored, that's a fun game to go back and watch as well. Um, but yeah, I mean this was, this was this was a fun team, and the defense wasn't quite as good after Corey Nelson got hurt in the TCU game the week after this. But um, one of the I, I was going back and looking at historical SP plus data, and uh, per S and P. This was the worst OU team of the decade. They finished 21st in SP+. They were, uh, they were 15th on defense and 30th on offense. The 2014 team, which, which, which I think we all think is probably the worst By team far. of the decade, and they were. Yeah, they finished 16th in SP+, uh, 39th on defense, and 17th Thank on you, Samaj P. Ryan. Yeah, that was all, all Samaj all right, do you have a uh, do you have an answer for Brady's question he asked a I do. while back about I do, uh, and I, go for it. I do because I'm actually going to bring it up in, in in relation to to how he answered my uh, hypothetical question as well. So I'm going to bring up this game. I'm going to say Brandon Everidge in the 2003 National Ooh, Championship. Oh, that's good. Game. That's a good one. Um, and I uh, only and do I actually think it's the best performance in a loss? Probably not, but it was a really great performance and um I just want to bring it up, just one, because one, Brandon Everidge, rest in peace, and um, two, I, I love Brandon Everidge. He's a great player. He was a guy that 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 gave me, like as a, as a 12 and 13 year old kid, gave me a lot of pride in being an OU fan, and so I just kind of wanted to bring him uh, into the discussion. But also, I would I would think about answering my hypothetical question, Brady, about uh, about what what do over game. I think I might pick that 2003 national title game against LSU. Um, only just because sort of the, the shine on OU totally wore off after that Big 12 title game when they got blown out by yeah. Kansas State. And I've always wondered what would have happened if they would have rebounded and won the national title after that game. Would, would, would 2004 USC debacle ever have happened? Would, would 2005 down year with all of that ever happened? Um, I, I think... If they would have won that game, I feel like there would have been more momentum. And I think some of the bad stuff that happened over the course of that decade maybe don't happen. I'm really glad you brought that up, Grant, because I'm actually working on something that has something to do with that very question. So um, hopefully I can get it done this week or early awesome. next week, but it'll be like a video. So uh, um, it's going to take a lot of time. I'm it's going to take a lot of time to, to edit it. So it might come out a little bit later, but I have nothing but time now. So hopefully I get it out pretty quick, but hopefully you enjoy it. Awesome. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. And on that vein as well, you could you could also choose the the Kansas State game from that season as well. Cuz I'm I'm if OU beats up on Kansas State in the Big 12 title game and they come in undefeated against LSU even if they are in their backyard, I'm sorry, OU wouldn't wouldn't lose in that game. 
right? We all well, yeah. I mean, Jason White hopefully doesn't break his hand, and then they're not shell shocked yeah. walking yeah. into New Orleans. And I mean, Brent, that's it's a good pick because I actually had to watch that game for the project I'm working on, the O three Sugar Bowl, and that defense had one bad drive on the first drive of the game and then they just slowly woke up and remembered oh yeah we're Oklahoma and we've got like all this talent and then they realized it in the second half and started playing like a bunch of badasses and it was fun to watch them just swarm to the football big hits Brandon Everidge so um, yeah good pick Uh, I don't have a good one for this I'll just take Kyler in 2018 Texas even though he had some bungles early in the first half that kind of led to oklahoma trailing but uh he was awesome that run is in that game it's one of the few plays that i know in a game ou loses that i'll still watch and like that was awesome it's i treat it kind of like a a damon parker highlight reel where it's like yeah OU probably loses this game that i'm watching but i don't care this is this is too this is too cool (laughs) well brady hey thanks for coming on and giving us a couple hours of your time like i said nothing but time now but um yeah, appreciate you guys putting out content and um yeah, hopefully you guys do more of these because whoever else you have on in the future I'll want to listen to that too. So, uh, thank you guys for letting me jump on. Yeah, thank you, Absolutely. man. Really uh, really appreciate it. And everyone, you guys should go uh go listen to Brady's podcast, The Franchise. And you can also follow Brady at Brady Does Sports on Twitter. Go give him a follow and uh best of luck in <laughs> quarantine the rest of the way and hopefully sports are back soon. Any final thoughts? Oh, just keep doing what you guys are doing, man. Uh, People appreciate it. I appreciate it. And um, this will pass and we will all have sports and we'll all get to scream and cuss at the TV once college football returns. (laughs) And that'll be a great day. (laughs) That's all I want, baby. That's all I want. All right. Well, hope you all at home found this somewhat enjoyable. Feel free to give us any feedback on Facebook also on Twitter as well, if you have any ideas. Uh, again, this was kind of an experiment. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully, we can do more of these in the future. But until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.